Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only 5 bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, most children believe Santa lives at the North Pole, but one strange occurrence convinces a preschooler that Santa may live two doors down. A Christmas gift by a grandmother will forever haunt her granddaughter. Was the frightening sight of a ghost or grandmother's doll come to life? And three cousins spend their holiday break visiting with new friends via a Ouija board. That's a great way to spend the holidays. Oh, yeah. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online, the Christmas Eve edition. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. It's uh, one of my favorite evenings of the year. Yeah. I enjoy Christmas Eve. I enjoy the little tiny weenies in barbecue sauce uh-huh. and uh, the meatballs. Uh, more so the little tiny weenies. Those are my favorite things of the uh, the holiday evening. Little smokies? Little smokies. Okay. It sounds better than saying little weenies, doesn't it? Yep. I'm sure somebody could just grab that little snippet there and uh, use it uh, inappropriately. Yeah. So there you go. I'm sure someone will, too. be like beat mixed to some sort of horrible song. God. <laughs> Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Uh, what's your favorite uh, Christmas Eve snack? Um, Any kind of dip. I like dips. Um, I guess I like Velveeta with Rotel melted together. That's probably my favorite. I like the... Um, those uh, the sour cream dips. Mm-hmm. Those are good. That you put like the uh, the sour cream and onion and chive or whatever into it. Now we always had that on New Year's Eve. I don't know why we didn't have it Christmas Eve, but that was yeah. a New Year's Eve thing. Growing up in the dairy state, we had it like once a week. Oh, really? <laughs> it wasn't really just like a New Year's or holiday thing. We had it. Uh, we, we of course had it on the holidays, but it was one of those things where mom would be like, once a week, I'm going to make some cream cheese dip and ruffles, and then we'd have like a you know. 800 calorie snack at night or whatever it equaled out to be. Yeah. But it was delicious. We always bought the tub of it already ready to go. No, my mom would like get the bricks, uh-huh. you know, and then she'd actually mix it. She'd like put it in the microwave for a minute to get it soft and then do the mixing. And it was always tasty. Sounds good. And ruffles are the best chip for that. Mm-hmm. No matter. I like other chips, but ru- that's like the, the one best used for ruffles you could possibly have. <laughs> that and dipping them in chocolate also quite tasty. Yeah, that's good stuff. So there you go. Well, Merry Christmas to all. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Christmas Eve, or maybe you're listening to us in the middle of July of 2016. Who knows? Yeah, I said 2016. We're going to 2015, but 
this show will be listened to forever. So, yeah. Uh, so Merry Christmas or Happy Fourth of July, whatever the case may be. Uh, some great stories for you tonight. If you have a real ghost story, of course, you can always write into us on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or you can always uh, just uh, give us a call, 855-853-4802. Call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week to share your real ghost story with us. Rob writes in. We'll kick off of the uh, show with a letter from Rob. He says, hey, guys, my story happened around the holidays. My parents never divorced, but lived in separate houses. They still consider themselves a married couple, but for some reason, my dad wanted his own house. My dad never celebrated most holidays because he's atheist. He's never uh, pressured me to believe or not to believe in anything, but he still showed up to all the family gatherings and brought us presents around then just because he's cool. Right around that time, my dad was living in apartments until he could buy a house near my mom's place because he didn't want to live far. We had family come from Minnesota, Green Bay, and Milwaukee, but both our grandparents were retired and lived in small houses, so some of our cousins stayed with family here. I was pretty young at the time. This was the year Tupac died, and one of my cousins got a Tickle Me Elmo doll. The year? Can you guess it? 95? 96. 96. I was close. Yeah. 96. My young children, Jake wanted, uh, or uh, my, young, my young children, Jake wanted to stay at my dad's apartment with me. I didn't mind staying at my dad's place, but not with him. My dad would always let me sleep on his bed and he would take the couch, but Jake was still wearing those pull up diapers to bed. There was no way in hell I was sharing a bed with him. We were watching movies until Jake fell asleep. This was on Christmas Eve. I left my dad's place that night, but to my surprise, my bed was already occupied by my aunt and uncle. My mom was still awake wrapping presents with both both my grandmas, and I think she thought I was sneaking in to see what presents I got. She scolded me, but before I had a chance to book it for the door, she remembered that I was supposed to be at my dad's place. My mom was all friendly and nice, excusing herself, but... On that drive to my dad's place, she yelled my ear off the entire time. When we got there, the door was open and she was upset with me, still being quiet, not to wake anyone up. She was asking me why I left the door open, but I clearly remember locking it behind me. We found Jake in my dad's bed. He was playing with some stuffed animals and seemed fine. So my mom gave me a mean look and told me that I had to lock the front door and get to sleep or I wouldn't get any presents. I remember the room smelled funny, but I figured it was Jake, and then he was telling me that Santa gave him the stuffed animals for Christmas. Kids his age say stupid things all the time. He had a backpack full of things, so I thought he was trying to be silly. It wasn't until he asked me what Santa got me for Christmas when I remembered the door was wide open when we got there. I asked him if he knew why the door was open, and he said, Uh-oh, did Santa forget to close the door? My mind... Uh, in my dazed mind, I was somehow so confused that I told Jake I couldn't, it couldn't have been Santa because my dad didn't have a chimney for him to get in. He didn't look remotely scared, but I could tell he knew I was nervous and grabbed my hand to walk me to the front door. He was a small kid, but still barely able to unlock the bottom doorknob and open the door. I closed the door quietly at the time. My dad was asleep right next to us, and I told him we had to be quiet. We would get in trouble. I was also worried that my mom was still around, so I looked through the peephole in the door to make sure. Soon as I saw her car driving off, Jake bumped the door open against my face. I followed him closely with my hand over the eye as he whispered loudly for me to follow him. 
He said he woke up and went to find me. I was actually really scared after he told me, This is where Santa's other house is. I stood there frozen and worried. He met someone. Thinking I could have endangered him from meeting a stranger and I was terrified. But I quickly went to grab Jake as he opened the front door and ran inside the other apartment. It was completely dark, but it was the same design as my dad's place, so I flicked on a light switch to find Jake and leave. When the light turned on, the only thing I heard Jake say is, Wow, this wasn't here before! There was a decorated Christmas tree with all sorts of presents under it and various other Christmas decorations along the dining area with boxes of what looked to be canned goods and boxes of food to make. This was a single-bedroom apartment like my dad's place, and Jake opened the bedroom door asking for Santa. I started to think that Jake broke into a neighbor's place, and we were likely in big trouble. The first thing I did was rush into the bedroom to grab him, but the strange part is the bedroom was a total wreck. Nobody was in there, but everything in there looked broken. It was nothing like how the living room was. I was relieved to discover that nobody else was in the room at the time and glanced at a few photos on the walls to know that a family lived there. My pounding heart was starting to calm down. I was just glad I didn't get murdered by someone. As soon as I gathered myself, I knew we had to get out of there. I picked up Jake while he was looking under the bed for Santa and told him we can't go in here when Santa isn't home. Just to play along with him, he seemed happy but not too energetic. It was past his bedtime and I told him not to reveal Santa's secret home. When we got back to my dad's place, dad was still asleep as I hushed Jake not to wake him up. I made sure to lock the deadbolt this time, then helped Jake under the cover so he would sleep. I tried not to let him know I was scared as he, as I pulled uh, Jake uh, move looking under the bed and around the apartment for any possible people. I will openly admit that if the apartment we walked into wasn't decorated so nice, I would have screamed for my dad. When I was done with my OCD search around the place, Jake was still asking me what Santa got me. The only thing I could think of telling him was that Santa knew I opened presents at my mom's place. He seemed happy, and before he fell asleep, he said, Santa knows everything. I only remember looking at the ceiling, still feeling strange. Well, that I'm looking back at Jake, wondering if he was going to wet the bed. I eventually fell asleep, but didn't wake up refreshed. Even when my dad turned on the television to wake us up, the morning news mentioned there was a full moon. I didn't even care about presents after this point. We all got ready that morning, headed out to my mom's house for Christmas, and when my dad opened his front door, a letter dropped. My dad handed it to me and told me to read it to Jake. He was jumping for joy after I read it to him. Merry Christmas! Be good every year and Santa will come again! My dad thought our family left it there. I guess my mom called in the morning to tell him she drove me back to his place during the night, but he didn't get upset with me. I never told my parents what happened. I knew they would, uh, they would have the same fear that I had if the wrong person found Jake that night. I also knew Jake's mom knew he had a vivid imagination and wrote it off as nonsense. And I'm also lucky that Jake was too young to remember it all. What made this all even stranger was my curiosity of who lived there. I stayed at my dad's place often after this happened, and like I've explained before, my parents were never really separated. They just didn't like to live in the same house. I never saw a single person go in or out of that apartment, and I asked the workers if anyone lived there, but they said the place was empty all the time. 
I wanted to share this as a great holiday story to shed light on all the other people helping out less fortunate families, but nobody lived there. I still have no idea if this was a hallucination, maybe a joke played on me, and I don't know what to believe. F Santa, F anyone who played this trick on me, but most important of all, F the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for reading. Go Packers. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Wow. So what do you think happened there? I'm wondering if maybe just and I came to this conclusion later in the story um, after he had said that other people were saying that no one lived in that apartment. Um, maybe it was being occupied by someone who wasn't supposed to be occupying it. Maybe there was I don't know what what is that called when someone's occupying a a place they're not supposed to be occupying. A squatter? A squatter, yes. Okay. Maybe there is a squatter living in there, which may explain all the canned goods and things of that nature that maybe were collected at a food bank or something of that nature and not necessarily stored in, like, cupboards or anything, but they're ready to access and also ready to pack up and leave with very quickly if need be. That's my thought. I could see that. That might also explain why the little boy thought it was Santa because maybe it was somebody who hadn't shaved in a while and was having a fairly decent white beard come in you yeah. know I also I think it's interesting with the paranormal aspect of this of the of what makes it weird is that no one says that uh, any or, or everyone says no one lived there yeah and what would be even more weird is if they went into it like the next day and nothing was there but the thing is when they went into it, the two of them together, Rob and Jake, mm-hmm. Jake said, wow, this stuff wasn't here before. Because when he went in there okay. the first time, there apparently wasn't any of that stuff. Sure. The tree and all the decorations and stuff. So It plays into both theory. I mean, it plays into the squatter theory uh-huh. of just showing up quick, setting up shop temporarily, and you're going to have to get out eventually because somebody's going to notice you. Yeah. Um, or the paranormal theory of wow, this stuff just appeared suddenly to kind of complete this Christmas story. Right. You know? I don't know. What do you think happened here? What's your gut telling you? I'm thinking it was maybe more paranormal, but I'm not going to say it was a a Santa thing. I'm just going to say, you know, it just seems like maybe the ghost of somebody was there and played along with the little boy who thought it was Santa. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a very, it's it's a cute Spooky Christmas story. Yeah. Of one hell of a Christmas night adventure. Could you imagine his Rob's feeling when he saw Jake go and open that apartment and head on in? <laughs> no. No, I would have been freaking out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's something I never would have done as uh, as a kid when I... I mean, I was adventurous, but I, I had lines that I drew of, like, I'm not breaking into people's homes. Or, no. Or even, like, considering, even if I thought it was empty, I, I was I was way too afraid to do that. But uh, very interesting story. Thanks for writing that in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Jessica writes in, when I was younger, my grandma decided to gift all her granddaughters dolls for Christmas. All of the dolls looked pretty much the same, except for the hair, eye color, and the dresses they wore. I got the doll with a big, curled blonde hair and blue eyes. I'd like to mention that for some reason, I have never, ever liked dolls, even before this incident. I don't like dolls, but I also won't fling my arms around in fear when shown a doll. I'd just rather not sleep in the same room with one. 
Unfortunately, being a girl growing up, I received a lot of Barbies and dolls as presents. Since I felt so uncomfortable around them, all of my dolls would end up in my mom's closet. Well, this new doll held no exceptions, especially since it was the biggest doll I had. So one night, my two brothers and I were home alone when I decided to watch cartoons in my mom's room, figuring it would be more comfortable to lie on her bed and watch TV rather than being in the living room. Everything was fine until I started getting this feeling of uneasiness, and for some reason, it was towards the closet. Mind you, I wasn't thinking about the dolls at that time. I was just simply scared, and I didn't know why. I knew I had no reason to be afraid, but nonetheless decided to leave the door open and sit on the corner of the bed that was the closest to the door. I figured that if something were to happen, I could just run into my brother's bedroom since it was just at the other end of the hallway. I was trying my best to ignore the feeling and to just keep my attention away from the closet, which was next to the TV. However, the feeling got so intense that I ended up not even sitting on the bed and just kneeling on the side of it, again, setting up for an easy escape, until finally I was compelled to glance over to the other side of the bed, and to my surprise, I saw a big blonde curl of the doll move alongside the bed. The best way I can explain it without drawing a picture is it was kind of like it was walking on the floor next to the bed, and all you can see is about four inches of the side of the head. The doll itself was about two and a half feet tall, and really it was the only doll I had with that hairstyle. The doll walked about midway alongside the bed before I got up and ran into my brother's room. It scared me so much that it provoked a minor asthma attack, which was unfortunate because all my medication was in, inside my mother's room next to the closet. My brothers also got a little freaked out based on how I looked and what I told them I saw. But my oldest brother did manage to run in there and fetch my medicine for me. I don't think I saw a ghost of a little girl, especially since there was never any child paranormal activity in the house. I honestly believe it was the doll, since it resembled it a lot, even for it just being the top side of her head. I waited till trash day in order to throw the doll inside the trash can and even sat on the porch steps to make sure the doll didn't walk out of the trash can before the garbage truck came by. Thank you for your time and for reading my story, even if it doesn't make it on the air. Okay, I'm thinking two things. Okay. Either a spirit attached to the doll mm-hmm. or carbon monoxide. Okay. Just because it's, I, I believe she saw this, mm-hmm. but it seems pretty far out there. So that's why even compared to some of the ghost stories, to see a doll walking around. Sure. I. It's like Night of the Living Dummy, the Goosebumps book. Yeah. Kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't even thinking of the carbon monoxide, but you're right. I mean, that really, that would be, if we're going to experiment with the logical explanations, mm-hmm. that would be a good possibility, where you're essentially hallucinate seeing this thing happen. Yeah. You totally believe it happened. Um, but... Uh, being paranormal and uh, paranormal minded as far as what we talk about on the show a lot. If it was something I, you know, that was in fact the doll, because she was debating whether or not it was a ghost or the doll itself. I could see it being something attached to the doll. I mean, that's in the realm of what 
spirits seem to attach themselves to frequently. Dolls tend to be a hot item among demons or ghosts or whatever. Okay. So I'm going to kind of go, I'm, I'm leaning more towards this being paranormal and there was something attached to the doll. I'd say kudos to her for sitting on the curb waiting for it to be picked up. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's been how many stories we've had where it's like we threw the doll away and it showed up again in the living room or in the, the frog in the, yeah. or Papa Smurf. Yeah. Even after being severely damaged or cut up or burned or whatever, bam, it's back. Yeah. So <laughs> I hope it doesn't like make itself known again. We went to the attic four years later and there it was, you know. <laughs> it would just be creepy. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want more Real Ghost Stories, you can become an EPP that's an extra podcast person. You sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. You get bonus episodes every single week emailed directly to you. This next week, we're going to have a total of 17 episodes in that email. And if you sign up right now, you'll get the email that currently has... Uh, are we on 16, 16, 17? What did we do last week? Was it 17? I thought it was 17. Okay, so 18 this next week. And the next EPP email that comes out on Saturday. But right now, when you sign up, you get 17 episodes. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Anyway, one off. It's a lot of episodes that you get Uh, immediately for signing up. Five bucks a month. It keeps our show on the air. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, With that support, we'll be able to continue on well into uh, into 2015. So please do consider supporting the show and uh, enjoy those little extras as a thank you. Ethan writes in, it was back in 2006 when I was 14 and living with my family in Texas. The family consisted of my aunt, uncle, and my cousin Robert, who was 15, and his younger brother Brandon, who was 12 at the time. It was winter break and my cousins, a friend of ours, and I were pretty bored teenagers living in the suburbs. We were wondering what to do, and I came up with the bright idea to make a Ouija board for some fun. The others were glad with the idea, and so I made the board out of a box with the uh, which the TV I received for Christmas came in. We were going to play on the second floor in Robert's room. Before we headed up the stairs, the doorbell rang. We opened the door, but no one was there. The others and I were scared. I thought it was a sign. My aunt, who was oblivious to our plan... In short, is that it was the pet dog, Rachel. She was a pretty big dog and was known to ring the bell from time to time, but she wasn't by the door, so we dismissed the incident, and before we started to play, the doorbell went off again. We opened the door, and no one was there again. The others and I searched the yard, and no one was there but the dog. We thought it was really strange, but we were still persistent to play. Finally, we went to Robert's room and closed the door. We took two candles with us and lit them. They were old Christmas candles of a Santa and Frosty, the snowman figures, and turned off the lights. The four of us put our fingers on the planchette and asked the spirits to communicate with us. We tried for a couple of minutes, but nothing happened. Finally, spirits, if you are true, then reveal yourselves by moving the triangle. I didn't know it was called a planchette at the time. Suddenly, the planchette started to move, and we were in total awe. I remember I was shaking because I was so amazed from what I was witnessing. We kept asking each other, are you moving it? Is it you? We kept accusing each other of moving the planchette until we all came to terms that the the device was, in fact, moving on its own. We asked mediocre questions, questions I honestly don't remember, but I remember the fire from the candles kept moving from side to side. My cousin Brandon asked if the spirit was evil, and it said yes. 
and it also said I didn't like Robert. Eventually, the candles went out one by one over time. We got so scared, we all screamed with horror and panicked until Robert turned on the light in the room. My aunt asked what we were up to, and we told her we were just playing. Mischievous teenagers. So we opened the door because we were too scared to play in the dark with just candles, yet kept the lights off. Robert asked the spirits if they could close the door, which it said yes. And over time, the door closed slowly. We decided we had enough, and our friend wanted to go home, but was too scared to walk home alone. So Robert and I walked him home. He lived three blocks away, a three-minute walk. On our way back, we discussed that we still wanted to play with the board, saying that we were intrigued with the board and its powers. We went straight to Robert's room when we arrived home. And on our way up the stairs, Robert grabbed the dog, Rachel. He wanted to observe if she would witness something or act differently while we played with the board. After hearing on different accounts that pets, cats, and dogs are sensitive to spirits, Robert and I began to play with the board. He asked the spirit if I, if it could reveal itself to the dog, and the board said yes. Suddenly, the dog, which was lying calmly on its side, started to breathe very heavy, huffing and wagging its tail very hard against the floor. Before I could continue, I'd like to give a description of the dog. She was mixed with a chocolate, la- uh, chocolate Labrador and Greyhound, so she was a pretty big dog and was very nice and friendly. Now to continue with the story, the board quickly started to spell out the dog's name, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. It moved fast while it spelled her name, and when it was done, the planchette went off the board and tried to go under the bed. We placed the device back on the board, but it kept trying to go under Robert's bed. We finally asked the spirit if it was under the bed, and the board answered yes. Suddenly, the dog growled, got up, and lunged towards the bed. She barked ferociously while trying to get under the bed, but she was too big. She placed her head under the bed and scratched the floor vigorously while attempting to get under the bed. We had to calm her down. That was the first and last time I ever saw Rachel the dog act like that. I think she was protecting us from the spirit or whatever it was we were talking to. I was really freaked out and decided I would end my time with the board for that night. Robert was relentless on playing, so Brandon replaced me. I sat on the bed while they continued to play. They eventually asked, how did you die? The board spelled murder and I was suddenly overwhelmed with a feeling of sadness and remorse. I never experienced such a feeling in my life. My cousins asked me why I was crying, and I told them that I just felt really sad for no reason. We assumed that maybe the spirit's feelings were rubbing off onto me. We shortly ended the game. It was late, and we were all afraid to sleep alone. My cousins decided they would sleep in my room, and we left the Ouija board under Robert's bed since... It was winter time, and we kept the doors closed to save energy and money. Because we had high high ceilings, and the heat from our rooms would escape and just go to the ceiling, which would result in the heater being on more than necessary. My aunt and uncle stressed to us to keep the door closed, so my cousins and I know we closed all the doors before we went to bed. The next morning, we were woken up by my uncle. He sternly told Robert to keep his door closed. He said he had closed Robert's door because it was wide open. We told him that we did close it, but he told us to stop acting dumb. Plus, I think he was confused that we all slept in my room. My aunt and uncle were completely unaware that we had played with the Ouija board, so my uncle repeated himself that he closed Robert's door and stressed to us to keep the doors closed on the second floor. He said bye, left, 
and the door slammed as he left for work. My cousins and I were now home alone. We were scared to leave my room, and after a few minutes we left in unison to venture into the hallway. When we got into the hallway, we were confused to see Robert's door open. I asked, didn't your dad say he closed the door? My cousins answered yes. We walked to his room and everything was in place, even the Ouija board. We closed the door and made sure it was closed properly. We even pushed against the door to make sure it wouldn't open. And with all the tests passed, we were sure the door would remain closed. My cousins headed back to my room as I went to the restroom. And as I washed my hands, I heard a very loud creak. My heart dropped and I was terrified. And I froze for a few seconds. In my mind, I imagined I would see something when I opened the door into the hallway. I mustered up courage to open the door and was glad to see Rachel the dog standing at the stairs. I gave a sigh of relief as I assumed the loud noise I heard was just the dog. I remember thinking to myself, ah, I'm just being silly letting my imagination take its course. I looked towards Robert's room and my heart dropped as I was stricken with fear. His door was wide open. I knew that the loud noise I heard was Robert's door. I rushed to my room and said, Robbie, Robert's nickname, your door is fucking open. My cousins were in disbelief as I told them what I had just experienced. They thought I made a loud noise, but I didn't. We were now all terrified and stuck together the whole day. I think it was on that same day my cousin Robert and I played with the board again. We wanted to test the board, so we put an empty snack wrapper on the board. We asked the board if it could crumble up the wrapper, and it said yes. I know that the power of the mind is extremely powerful, and with anything, the more you believe, the more likely things are going to happen. I asked the board if we should close our eyes and concentrate, and the board said yes. So my cousin and I did so, and our eyes were closed. We heard the wrapper and opened our eyes after a few seconds. The wrapper was still in the position we left it, but we both heard the wrapper make a noise as if someone had touched it. I ended up putting a rosary on the inside of my door for protection. I was playing a game in my room when I heard my door move. I looked only to see my door slightly open, but the rosary was swaying from left to right. I thought one of my cousins was at the door, but when I opened the door, no one was there. I found them in the bedroom of their parents and asked if either of them had just gone into my room to open the door and leave. But they said they were downstairs the whole time. I was creeped out and told what I had just seen happen. We were all standing, or all starting to get a little paranoid. It must have been four to five days after originally playing with the board that my aunt and uncle found out about what we had just done. It was evening, and we were about to have dinner when my aunt said, You boys must think you're really funny. We looked at her with a puzzled face and asked what she was talking about. She insisted that we were playing and acting dumb, but we pleaded with her that we had no idea what she was talking about. Finally, she believed us and said, Oh my God, you boys really don't know what I'm talking about. She said between 2 to 5 in the morning, I don't remember what time she said specifically, that one of us went into Robert's room, turned on the TV, and put the volume to full blast. She said she was scared and woke up my uncle to see what we were up to. So my uncle went to Robert's room only to find the room empty. He turned off the TV and went to my room to see which one of us pulled the prank. 
She reported that he kept calling to us, but none of us would wake up, so they figured we were all in on the prank. My cousin Robert and I looked at each other with disbelief because we knew what caused the TV to turn on on its own. It was the Ouija board. We finally confessed of what we had done, and my aunt was horrified. I remember she said with a concerned voice, Oh boys, no you didn't. We told her it was true when suddenly my uncle walked in from work. My aunt told him what we had just confessed to, and he laughed. He was skeptical about ghosts, but we told him it was true. We told him about the experiences we encountered while being home alone. My uncle said we were making it up, so we told him we would show him for ourselves. We took out the Ouija board from under Robert's bed and placed it on the kitchen table. As the planchette moved, my uncle laughed and said we were moving it, but the board was acting up. It kept moving in circles and kept going off the board and onto the table. My uncle laughed and called BS on us. When we pleaded with him that it was real and told him to ask a question, he said, I know one of you boys can't guess. How old's my dad? The board answered and gave the number. It said 72 or something like that. I don't really remember. And the expression on my uncle's face suddenly changed because of the board. It had struck a nerve of his. He then said, okay, I have one you boys will never know. What is my mom's nickname? The board moved and answered, Tita. And Robert started laughing and said, Titty? WTF? And I started laughing along because I thought it was so funny. But my uncle's face was horrified. My uncle then said, we're getting rid of that board. We threw out the board at the dumpster of a grocery store and said a prayer. The board never returned like the ones in other stories. The thing is, I'm related to my uncle by marriage, so I don't have any information on his family, neither do my cousins, because they're not very close to their father's side of the family. My uncle knew that my cousins and I didn't know the answers to his questions, and that's what convinced him that the board was real. My cousins and I told the experience to our friends, who were three sisters. They wanted to play with the Ouija board, too, asked if we could make them one, and said they would keep it. We agreed, and I made them one, but my cousins and I did not play with it. We observed as they played. We were in Robert's room again. The girls were amazed as the board answered their questions. For some reason, we went into Brandon's room, and while they were playing, one of the sisters said, Robert's bedroom door just opened by itself. Robert and Brandon's rooms are across from each other in the hall. We all asked if the door was closed to begin with, so we closed it and made sure it was closed properly. And once we were sure it was, we went back to Brandon's room. After a while of watching the girls play, we heard Robert's door and saw the door open all on its own. We all got so scared we ran downstairs. We told the girls that the board was theirs to keep as part of the deal, but they were now too scared to take it with them. We ended up throwing out the board into the garbage in the garage. We never saw the board again. This all happened during the winter break, and we were all scared of the house for a good month or two. I remember... I was always scared to walk up the stairs thinking something was going to pop out of Robert's room. We still experienced strange things after throwing out the board. Robert said one night he looked at the foot of his bed and saw a figure creeping out from the frame that then carpet 
was drawn to disappear. For myself, I had my door open on its own. I remember one day I was talking to Robert in his room one morning, and when I left and went into the hallway to go into my room, my door opened up on its own. I was scared and told Robert what happened. My door started opening a lot in my sophomore year of high school. My door kept opening on its own whenever I was home alone and in my bedroom doing homework or studying. I told my friend about it and was given the advice to tell the spirit to leave me alone and that it wasn't wanted. The next time the door opened, I swore at the spirit and yelled and told it to leave me alone. I know I said to get the fuck out and slammed the door closed. That was the last time the door opened on its own. Okay, so that's a pretty long Ouija board story. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm just really surprised that after they had the experience with the one they made for themselves, that they turned around and made another one for their friends. I know. Wouldn't you say, okay, enough is enough. Yeah, or hey, I, I don't want this to happen to you too. Yeah. So. <laughs> I guess they, uh, well, they didn't learn their lesson. I was going to say, I guess they learned their lesson, but they went and made another one. At least, I mean, they learned it for not to not do it themselves again. Yeah. But. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say about the story because... It's just your classic Ouija board story. Yeah. Where shit goes awry because you start messing with stuff you shouldn't mess with. It's a lot of constants. What's the last thing you should do here when you have a breaking point of the choose your own adventure? And they choose the wrong page. (laughs) (laughs) Just constantly, constantly, constantly. It was a good story, though. Yeah. A very good Ouija board story. So thank you guys for writing in and uh, and sharing that with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you like the show... Please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any future episodes of our program. Let's go to a caller at 855-853-4802. Hi. Hey, this is Dominique again. Um, As a reminder, I'm the one who posted the vagrant bird on your Facebook page. Um, I have another little story for you. Uh. My grandfather passed when I was really young, so I didn't know him very well. And my dad kept one of his jackets, and for a long time we would keep it in the downstairs closet. And every time I walk upstairs, I can feel him there watching me. I've even seen, like, shadows go by. And, like, he's not... It's not a bad thing. I can just... I can just feel it, you know? And he takes care of us, he watches over us. And this part is actually, like, feeling him is always debatable. Like, you can chalk it up to paranoia or anything like that. And this is how I know he's actually here watching us. Because I would always feel him downstairs and I knew his jacket was down there. So, a couple days ago, I walk upstairs and I'm walking to my bedroom. And my... The door to my art room is open, and I saw a man standing there. His, it was about his height, his size, you know, everything. It was just a shadow, barely visible, but I still saw it. And I just told myself, you know, probably your mind playing tricks on you. He's downstairs, 
his jacket's downstairs. That's where I usually feel him and see him. There's no reason any spirit should be upstairs because he's the only one here. And then just yesterday, my dad brought me in there. We have some jackets in there because I live in the mountains, so it gets really cold. So I was going there to get a jacket, and he's like, oh, and your grandpa's jacket's here. And I was just like, oh, my God. He moved the jacket into the room where I just saw him. I didn't even know he moved it because I don't go in my room that often. I usually drag something out, like a canvas or brushes or anything, and just walk straight back to my room. I don't stand around to look at all the jackets and talk at anything. I didn't see him carry it up. I'm usually not home, usually out with friends. So I didn't even know it was in there, but I saw something. And I saw I saw my grandpa in there. I don't know. It, I know they will probably like that. I have my grandpa looking after me. It's really cute and sweet. He takes care of us. And I see him and I do feel him. And it's just nice to know he's there. It's very comforting to know he's watching over us and taking care of us because my dad and I have had our share of bullshit all our life and it just keeps coming anyways enough of that you guys are doing an amazing job I became an EPP not too long ago and I absolutely love the show I skip the whole week and I wait until Thursday or Friday when I actually do work and I just work and I listen to it the whole time and it's just it's awesome you guys are awesome uh I hope you play this and thanks for letting me be on your show alright thank you for calling in your story and thanks for being an EPP and supporting the show and thank you for the vagrant bird picture it was exactly what I had in mind (laughs) when I was talking about that when I got that, or I saw that, uh, I think it was posted on, was it posted on Facebook? I think originally? it was Facebook. Yeah. And uh, I saw you posted that up there, and then I shared it, and then I walked over to Jenny's office uh, in the middle of the day when I, I, I originally saw that. I'm like, you'll love this. And like, it's the vagrant bird from the Walmart parking lot. And it was. It is the perfect vagrant. And if you guys want to see it, it's up on our Facebook page. Just scroll down the history a little bit. It was posted ah, about a week or so ago. Yeah. But it's on there and you can't miss the vagrant. You'll see it. And like, oh, that's the vagrant bird. <laughs> and it is hilarious. So anyhow, uh, check that out. Thank you for your story uh, and calling in uh, here at Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's do another caller. Hi. Hi, Tony. Actually, Scott from Portland. I'm calling you guys right after getting back home uh, from, from San Francisco, where my family lives. Um, and I wanted to tell you guys about some craziness that was went down while I was there and also get some, give some insight into some of my childhood. Uh, for many years ago, uh, my family went through a very hard time, economically speaking. And we ended up living with my grandparents. Uh, and my sister and I shared a bedroom in my grandparents' house. And at the time, I didn't know anything or think anything. But when I was a kid, we used to be really afraid of the stairwells in my grandparents' house. Uh, there's two stairwells, basically across from each other. One goes up to my grandparents' master bedroom, which is the whole section of the house. 
and the other goes up to the guest bedrooms on the second floor where my sister and I lived along with my parents living there. Um, well, anyway, so when we were kids, all of us that were the kids used to be terrified of the staircases, and we used to try to run up them, and it was, it was sort of a game to see who was sort of braver, and we would run up to the top of the stairs and uh, try to run to the far room, and whoever can make it the farthest before they got terrified and turned around and ran back would win. Um, and none of us ever really got that far. Most of us would only make it off to the top of the staircase, kind of start to turn to go down the hallway to the far guest room, and then just would turn back around and run back down the stairs. Um, and it was a thing. My, my, sister, this is, my sister and I were talking about it just this last weekend while we were there. Um, and that she remembered it going down the exact same way where nobody ever made it that far. Everyone was terrified. Well, we were there, and we had my nephews, and I've talked about them before. Um, we had my nephews with us, and they were running around playing as you know, two-and-a-half-year-old, almost three-year-olds do. Um, and I noticed that they were running around. Uh, just They would just sort of be running around, running around, and anytime they got near the staircase, they would stop, look, and then turn and run and shout, Monster, Monster. I didn't think anything of it because I completely forgot about running away from the staircases when I was a kid. But they started doing it. They were doing it. And uh, anyway, uh, I was just watching this go down and it was just happening. And I, I really hadn't had that realization until my uncle was there and his family, his wife and his stepdaughter and his daughter and I were all kind of hanging out. And somehow the topic of like ghost hunters came up. Um, and we were talking about how those shows are kind of ridiculous. And, and then my uncle decided to share a story with us about his, his real ghost experience. And it happened in that house, and it happened in that far bedroom, the same one that my sister and I lived in for a year, um, where I don't remember much, but I do remember having a lot of nightmares. Um, but that, that far room... And it's the same room that we would all try to run to and, you know, we wouldn't be brave enough to make it. Well, anyway, he told this story, and this is the story. He said he was sitting on his bed, on his phone, talking to his girlfriend. And he was just having your standard 16-year-old teenage guy, girlfriend conversation. You know, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you know, this kind of stuff. And he saw something, sort of a light behind him and he just assumed it was from outside that it was the light shining off of a car or something um, he didn't think anything of it there's, there's windows on both sides of the room the uh, east and west side of the room um, so he was just sort of thinking that it was the light and he was just sitting there talking on the phone but then he noticed the light sort of moving around behind him and when he kind of he turned to glance over his shoulder the light was pretty much resting on his shoulder and he said it was this sort of glowing greenish color and it was right there and he just stared at it kind of confused and then the, according to him the light spoke to him and it said if you opened your your eyes you would be afraid um, and he didn't know what that meant but as soon as he heard that voice he dropped his phone and he ran toward the window that was right in front of him and apparently he just threw it open, dove through screen and all, out onto the, the rooftop that used to be the first floor before they built the second floor on the house, and ran 
often dropped down into the backyard and ran over to his friend's house and he stayed there until everyone was home because I guess uh, no one was home but uh, he reached in there until everyone was home and then he came back and told his family about it and they thought he was just crazy now I asked my grandparents about the story right before I left yesterday um, and they confirmed that he did in fact come talk to them and say that he had this weird ghost experience in the house and they remembered it and they were, were talking about it in the sense that they were kind of making fun of it but he was telling it about how it happened so this is a story that everyone confirms actually happened um, well aside from you know, the action concerns but so that was in that same room that same room that we're all afraid of and my uncle thinks that it's because when my mom and, and her sister were living in that room they were the first ones to live in that room after they moved to the house. Um, the girls had played Bloody Mary on the window or the mirror that makes up the sliding door to the closet. And that's possible. Well, anyway, after he told this story, that's when I remembered that we used to be afraid of that room. That's when I talked to my sister and she remembers us being afraid of that room. And then I realized that my nephews were running away from the same staircase so that was a very interesting story and recognizing that I used to live in that room for about a year when we lived with them I, I'm kind of wondering if there wasn't some sort of extension to all the many things that happened but that's the ghost story from my uncle and the apparent continued existence of the ghost in the house now I will continue with one last little bit about that before I end the phone call I stayed in that room one night over this time I was visiting my family. It was just two nights ago. And granted, I had just heard the story about the ghost. I had just confirmed that that was a real story and that my grandparents remember him coming home and being terrified and playing with the ghost in this room. Um, and I walked into the room. And so because of the psychological effect of knowing that there was a ghost story from this room, uh, I was kind of worried and then on top of that there's a giant mirror in the room and you guys know my recent mirror experience anyway it was the creepiest night I've ever spent I hardly could get any sleep and I really what I did was I, I slept on the far end of the room by the window on the floor where the mirror could not in any way shape or form reflect anything in my general direction and I was not in the mirror so that nothing crazy could happen in some kind of alternate dimension or anything or any of the weird stuff but I managed to get a few hours of sleep before I had to get up and get my stuff together and get on a plane and come back so uh, that's that's my story um, it was a pretty big experience and you're recognizing that I used to live there that might explain a few things but uh that's my ghost story. That's my uncle's ghost story. That's my nephew's ghost story. Thanks for the show. All right. Thanks for uh, writing in or uh, calling in and sharing that uh, that story with us. What do you think? I think for something to tell you, if you open your eyes right now, you would be afraid. <laughs> That's psychologically very, very scary to me. Yeah. That's almost worse than seeing whatever is there is being told by what is haunting that you're going to be afraid if you open your eyes. What would you do? 
there's no way I'd open my eyes. I'd be under the blankets. You would just rather deal with the psychological torment of what might be there? Probably, because I'm too chicken to open my eyes. Yeah, I don't think I'd be opening my eyes either. Okay. Yeah. We're in the same boat then. Um, would you stay in the room or would you like try and bolt out? I think I would probably wait until I could sense that it was gone and then I'd be out of there. Yeah, my my gut would be like I should run, but I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I would be sitting there just like I did when I had that one experience and just blankets over the head (laughs) and praying and eventually either passing out from exhaustion uh, or feeling like, okay, it's done. Yeah. But even then, I don't know that I would even get up or go. Like, wherever do you go? You know, what do you do? I'd be heading to my parents' room if, sure, you know. If, if that's an option. Yeah. 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 If it wasn't like a house you were staying at, would it be like, okay, I'm going to go find the days in? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I would go if it were my house and that happened. I don't know. I, I don't I don't ever want to find out if no. I have that experience. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. Tomorrow night on the show, the, uh, the Christmas Day episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. And it is... A brand new episode for you on Christmas Day. We're not doing the best of on Christmas Day. We've actually got a uh, special Christmas episode gift for you that Jenny's been working on. Yeah, something like that. And I got to hear it earlier today a little bit in person. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Jenny is going to deliver us a story on the episode tomorrow. You're going to make me read it? Yeah, I think you'd be great reading it. It, it. Well, you reading it today was great. Well, I was reading it to you. I wasn't reading it to everybody. You mean all thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands? That freaks me out a little bit. (laughs) It's just you and me reading in here, so. Okay. Just think it's you and me and Lena. All right. But uh, I think you're gonna do a great job. It's a really cool story. Um, It's uh, it's being told from the perspective. Can we say anything about it? Go ahead. Okay. It's a story that's being told from the perspective. Uh, it's a, based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, and it's being and these based on... The facts of the story are true, but it's a perspective from one of the victims. Okay. And there is hauntings involved with this. Yes. Okay. So I'm telling it from the ghost standpoint okay. of what happened. This is really interesting. It's a completely originally written piece by our very own Jenny Bruski. Thanks. And it's really cool. I'm really excited about it. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. It's like... Uh, it's better than Dickens. No, <laughs> yes, it's it is. not. Yes, it is. It's like a horrible version of Dickens. No. As far as like evilness and darkness goes. It's not. It's nothing like that. It's one that your children, you can read to your, have your children gather around. The front no, of it's <laughs> not at all. It's about a man that killed his entire family. So it's not. So don't, don't gather the children around. No. I take that back. <laughs> Traumatize them on Christmas. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, so you don't like the present Santa got you? Well, come here, listen to this. That's tomorrow on Real Stories Online, so make sure you download. All right, uh, for Jenny Brisky, I'm Tony Brisky. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. We'll talk with you tomorrow.